Hi, welcome back to Homeschool Minnesota. This is a podcast that is here for homeschooling families to equip you and to encourage you across the state of Minnesota. Um, today, I am so glad you guys are here today because we have a very special guest. Her name is Amy Pitts Fox. She's a homeschool graduate, a servant of Jesus. She loves history. She's the author of Her Heroes, Heroines, and Tales of Ancient History and Heroes and Heroines of the Past American History. These are geared towards elementary school children. Um, they're history books. It comes to life by using all five senses. I've been on her on her website, goldenprairiepress.com, and kind of scoured it. And I've already got some things I want to buy for my grandkids, Amy. I'm so excited. That's awesome. <laughs> Amy lives in Wyoming with her husband, Carl, and her two boys. Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. This is uh, going to be a really fun topic. I'm super excited, too. When I, um, when I talked with Amy originally, we were talking about just some different things. And Amy really loves hands-on history. Isn't that correct, Amy? Oh, absolutely. Anytime we can use all five senses, like you said, it really enhances our ability to remember what we're learning. Exactly. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started? So I love history. Like you said, anytime uh -huh. I can incorporate something about history, that makes me understand and remember it better. Yeah. Um, and so I just really enjoy that. And so the funny thing is, I'm a writer, but I actually have dyslexia. So it's kind of amazing how God will sometimes take your weakness and turn it into a strength. I love and that. So you just never know what God's <laughs> going to call you to do, even if that's not something you're super good at. And so, so I've been really blessed that God has taken me down a path that I never really thought I would go, but it's been an amazing, yeah. amazing adventure. And it's an encouragement to our homeschool families who are dealing with children that might have a learning disability. You just right. don't know what God is going to do with those kiddos. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. They might wind up being authors. <laughs> yep. You just never know for well, sure. One of the things that we're going to discuss today is recipes because kids love getting in the kitchen with their parents. Mm-hmm. And so we want to talk about how, how we can make that connection of history with food, because we all know that food is like a huge connector in it, lots of memories are built around food. Lots of um, just good conversations are built around food. And a lot of our traditions and holidays are built around food. So why don't you tell us the connection between humans and food as you see it, Amy? So I was thinking about this and, you know, really, if you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, in the very beginning, food was easy because all yeah. of the fruit, they would just pull it off of the tree and then eat it. And then after Adam and Eve sinned, it became difficult. And so we still are kind of under that curse in that it's difficult, you know, to yeah. just provide food for family, our families and stuff. There's always that you're going to have this isn't going to be easy anymore like it was originally when God created the earth. Exactly. And so we are under that curse. And so now it's difficult. And you see that all through history because, you know, like thinking of the Loringles Wilder stories or yeah. um, the pilgrims, they all had huge obstacles to overcome to make sure they just didn't starve to death. Exactly. And we don't, you know, we don't, we're not quite as connected to the process of how food gets to us as they were, but still we kind of have that connection with them through history that, you know, we're still trying to provide for our families and food has a huge part in that. 
Exactly. It does. And I think, I think that I like that you brought up Laura Ingalls Wilder because I told you that we're having a virtual field trip. Uh, Mache is hosting a virtual field trip with Not Grass History. No, that's going to be on, so exciting. Yeah, on <laughs> Thursday. Um, and it's, it's to um, talk about Laura Ingalls Wilder. And so I love that you um, could maybe even give us some ideas of like things that maybe the families could that are going to join the field trip. And it's not too late to sign up, y'all. So just, you know, keep an eye open for that. If you need if you need information on the link, it'll be in the description of this podcast. But um, I just wanted to let you know, too, that, you know, things that maybe they could make that they could be eating while they're watching the field trip, you know, mm-hmm. participating in it. Or there something. you go. Yes, I yeah. do have a resource that I'm going to mention later about that that would have lots of ideas that they could incorporate That's while they're doing awesome. that. That's awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about how you incorporate cooking into learning history. You know, I just think it's so, like, you kind of feel like you're in it when you actually are making the recipes that you're reading about in history. So, you know, for instance, when you're reading about the Civil War and you go through and you read what the soldiers ate, that they ate hardtack, and everybody's like, well, what does it really taste like? And then if you make it, you understand and if you let it sit for a long time like they probably before it got to them you know would have it's like well yeah I understand this (laughs) the the hardship (laughs) yeah exactly and it tastes pretty good fresh but then you know after like a month it's probably not so yummy anymore (laughs) you know and and so it's fun too like when you're reading the Laura Ingalls Wilder books you can it's like oh what did that taste like and what was that and I wonder if that tasted good, you know, and so if you try those recipes, you really get a feel for, you kind of feel like you're there with them and what they might have experienced and stuff. Yeah. And in the Laura Ingalls Wilder books, there's a lot of food. There's so much food. Yeah. Especially in Farmer Boy. (laughs) I know. After reading Farmer Boy, I remember as a mom thinking, Dude, I can feed my kids pie for breakfast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> mom. <laughs> I don't have to make a whole new breakfast. We've got leftover pumpkin pie. We can have that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I felt really good about that. Yeah. So learning, um, eating food from previous time periods can enhance our understanding of history. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some like prep ways that we can maybe, is there ways that you can prep food, maybe, Amy, that would make it feel like a little more historically accurate in certain things? Oh, yeah. I think we could, you know, if we really wanted to go all out, you know, get in historical costumes. You could, yeah. you know, if you have a place in your backyard or whatever that you could actually cook like over an open fireplace, you know, I mean, there's, you could really, really go all out or you could just, you know, find a modern recipe that was from history that tells yeah. you how to make it in a modern kitchen so you can exactly because it's so funny when you go back and you read some of the old 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 um uh, cooking books they don't give you directions they don't give you amounts they're just like oh put yeah. this in and put that in and you're like well, how much is that you I know, know. <laughs> used to having it just like detailed and it's mm-hmm. not like that yeah no yeah. No, so it's always kind of fun to sometimes look at an original recipe and then go to a modern one and be like, oh, okay, that's what they meant by that statement. <laughs> a dash of this, a pinch of that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. And when oh. we think about like Laura Ingalls Wilder, you know, in her books, she tells you what they made. And sometimes she goes into detail on 
how they made it, but you know, she never yeah. gives proportions and stuff like that. So it's fun when you can find a recipe and then know, oh, hey, this is how much you put. And then it would turn out the way you want it to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's so good. And your books are like, you have recipes in your books. So these Correct. So people know. Yeah. So like, as you're reading through the ancient history or the American history, Amy has recipes that you can use to help um, your kids understand um, that connection with food in that historical context. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have one in there that's about Liberty cake is what it's called. And it's from World War One when they were trying to do rationing and they were trying to the average cook, you know, just like you and me, we would be like, okay, how could we conserve food? So that way the soldiers on the front line would have what they need. And so they, there was this whole cookbook that I found and it had a recipe for Liberty cake. And instead of using wheat and sugar, it used barley flour and maple sugar, um, maple sugar. And so I was thinking that would be fun because then you could actually make it and be like, okay, how could we, if we had to ever conserve food, how could we do that? We could just look at how they did it in the olden times and kind of go with what they did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) and Laura actually lived through both of the world wars and she during that time was actually writing for a magazine or for a local paper and she would talk about you know how we she would talk about how they as the farmers wives needed to do that how they needed to do their part and stuff for the war effort and so you know it's just exciting when you can think about how all these things are connected yeah, how, you know, people lived through and they came out on the other side. Yeah, I forget that she lived long enough to get through World War One and World War Two. I know, I know. That's we always crazy. think of her, you know, way back in the pioneer days, but yeah, her adult life, she it was, just, just, she went through a lot of things. You just blew my mind, Amy. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> so let's talk about you personally. What is your favorite historical recipe that you've ever made? Oh boy, I really love this one called Apple Pan Dowdy. It okay. is from the 1940s. There was this really super cute song that they sang that was called Shoe Fly Pie and Apple Pan Dowdy makes my eyes light up and my tummy say howdy. And I'm not a singer, so I'm not going <laughs> to sing it for you, but it's just a really cute song. <laughs> yeah. And so we always wondered, we, I found that when I was in high school, my family always wondered, what? What, what are those two recipes? So when we found a recipe for apple pan dowdy, it was like, we totally got to try that. And it's yes. basically like an apple cobbler. Um, okay. So do you want me to go ahead and give you the, the full recipe and yeah, then people could make it if they wanted? I've never so, heard of pan it's, it's really good. Well, if you've ever had an apple cobbler, you've basically had apple pan dowdy. Okay. <laughs> it just has a cute name. So it takes six apples and you cut them into bite-sized pieces, two cups of sugar, two tablespoons of flour, four tablespoons of water, and one teaspoon of cinnamon. And you mix all of the the wet ingredients together. And then for the topping, you do uh, half a cup of butter and one cup of flour. And you um, chop that into till it resembles crumbs. And then you bake it in a nine by nine pan for about an hour at 350. And it really is, especially if you're listening to the song while you're eating it, it's... (laughs) That it's sounds really that sounds like apple crisp too. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's similar to that. Very That's similar. That's cool. That's yeah. so cool. And I'm gluten-free, so I've made it with lots of different flours and it still turns out pretty good. And I've made it with honey and maple syrup instead of sugar. And that 
tastes good too. So there's lots of varieties you can do with it. Yeah. Lots of ways to make it a little less for moms who want to be a little more like two cups of sugar. My kids will go crazy. I know. I never put that much (laughs) in it. That's just what the original called for. (laughs) You could do half and half guys. You could do half sugar, half maple syrup, half sugar, half honey or something. Do a mixture combo. Yeah, that's cool. So what are things that we learn about historical people from their recipes? What have you found um, like the different tools they used, or the different ways they had to cook or what are some things that we can learn about historical people based on the way that they cooked? Boy, there's just so many things. You know, if you think about the different areas of the country that people live in, you know, so people that would have been like the pilgrims or the Puritans in New England, you know, they would have eaten fish. And then you have the people that, you know, maybe went to California and they would have had different things. And you have people that were pioneers kind of in the middle of the country and they would have had access to, you know, venison and rabbit and, you know, different things that, and all of those things have played into what recipes became popular in their area. Um, You know, you think of like Boston baked beans, and that was a combination of how the different things that came into Boston made this combination that, you know, wouldn't have happened anyplace else because of things that they had. Um, And then we also kind of learn a little bit about what their values are sometimes. The Puritans, they had this really interesting recipe called the scripture cake, where instead of saying, put this and this in there, they would say, go look up this verse and look this verse up and then combine them. (laughs) And that's in my history book, too. So it would say cream um, judges 525 until light, which that would be the butter, and then blend Jeremiah 620. And then they would look up that verse and that mentions sugar. And so you would put those two together and it's a really fun. Oh my word. Into their minds of how they thought, you know, that everything was supposed to be scripturally based and they did that even for their kids and let's go cook a recipe. And I just think that's fun. And then we also kind of get an idea of what they enjoyed. You know, you think about like Abraham Lincoln, he liked fricasseed chicken, which is a little bit like fried chicken. And Robert E. Lee, who was um, a famous Confederate general, he liked gingerbread cookies. So when you're eating something, you can be like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that somebody from history liked this. And, you know, you kind of have that connection with them that you wouldn't normally have with history otherwise. Yeah. So where do you find all your historical recipes? So there are most of them you can find online. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of names of different books that I really, really love. But most of them you can find online. So, you know, when you're reading through the Laura Ingalls Wilder books and you uh-huh. want one of the recipes it's like oh how do you make that you can usually just look online and find most of them um, and the library is a really great resource for that probably yeah, you, is. you would find ones for your area so me yeah. living in Wyoming I can find a lot for pioneers and stuff like that so for you in Minnesota you would probably find ones that you probably would find some on pioneers, but you might find some other ones that, you know, would be more specific to your area. Probably a lot of Swedish. Yes. Yes. I'm thinking Scandinavian recipes, Lefsa. Yeah. There you go. That were eaten a lot here. I would, I would assume. Mm -hmm, Probably. And then also on the internet, you know, you can find a lot at individuals, websites. So like George Washington, his um, home, Mount Vernon, is now a museum and they have an amazing website that has tons of recipes, some of which he has this one that's um, 
um, I'm going to forget the name. It's a stew. And I found it one day and I was like, I'm totally making that. And it's been like one of my favorite recipes, easy recipes wow. ever since. Um, but then I did mention cookbook and that I was going to mention about the little house. So there's one that this gal went through and she took out, you know, picked out the recipes and made them into modern ones. So you can cook it and just like Laura did. So it's called the little house cookbook by Barbara M. Walker. Okay. And that is an amazing book. Most libraries probably have it, but that is an amazing book to have because you can look up any recipe she mentions and it's in there and it's like, wow. oh, this is so cool. Now we can make this. That's amazing. That's amazing. So how has cooking just kind of give us a little overview of how cooking has changed over the years? So it's changed a lot. You know, if we think about the pilgrims and what they went through and how they didn't have canned food or any way to really preserve their food. And so, you know, so many of them died that first sure. winter because they just didn't have enough food. And even all the way into Laura's time period, when they went through the long winter, they had canned food and stuff like that, but they just didn't have access to it. Sure. And so it's changed so much and just refrigeration the fact that we have that now and we can freeze things without having to go cut ice out of the the lake yeah. like they used to have to have an ice house with sawdust on the floor yeah we are so so spoiled in our We're society so <laughs> you know when you think about what they went through and what we go through exactly so it just That's... go, go ahead, ahead. No, you go I'm first. Sorry, I interrupted you. Well, I was just going to say that that's just, that's just amazing. I, I think about that a lot, like when I'm using like my crock pot or mm -hmm. my Instapot or something like that. And I'm just like, man, like this used to have to take my mom like all day to make a pot roast. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So, like, exactly. She started early in the morning and we'd go to church and we'd come home and it still wouldn't be quite right. So we'd have a little snack and then mid afternoon we'd eat it, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> just like Exactly. We just are so, so blessed that we all the are. technology has come. Because if we think about how people in the olden days had to do, you know, they would have to go outside to get their water and bring it in. And then they'd have to get the firewood and bring it in and get the fire going. And, you know, it was just very labor intensive to cook. Yes. And now we are just, like you said, we have so many modern conveniences that make it easy for us now and you know it's gives us something to be thankful for every day too for sure for sure well now you have written a curriculum that incorporates historical recipes we mentioned that already um tell us a little bit about your curriculum and and kind of the heart behind it and your it's very hands-on which i love and for elementary students that's perfect um kids learn by doing and by playing that's how they learn so could you tell us a little bit about your history curriculum? Yes, I would love to. So it's for first through sixth. You can use it with multiple um, ages all at the same time. And it is very hands-on. So there's two different types of lessons. One has just stories about historical people. And then the other one is more what I would call a traditional history book where you actually get to read, okay, this so-and-so did this on this date and, you know, not trying to make it boring or anything, but just to give kids an overview of this is what actually happened. And um, so 
there'll be a lesson like that. And then sometimes okay. there'll be several lessons about a historical person. Um, and the ones that are more like a history book, they have a younger section. If you want to read that for first and second grade, just to kind of give you a real short one page overview. And then there's a longer section for third through sixth, if you want to, you know, go in a little bit deeper on it. Um, and then it also has the, the recipes, historical games, there's crafts, um, historical songs, there's a CD that comes with it, that has historical songs. So you can listen to the songs that they sang back in those days. Uh -huh. And then there's also a CD that has historical um, speeches and sermons and documents and stuff like that. So like when you get to the Declaration of Independence, you know, it'd be hard for a fourth grader to read that, but they could listen to it and they could still comprehend some, some of the things that are being talked about. I love that. And also, I mean, you did mention that they're also digital. So if, if families would rather get the digital copy, they don't need to they can order that instead of the CD, right? That is correct. Yep. And then they can just yeah. download it and have it all on their computer and or you know, whatever. Load it onto you your have. phone and listen to it in the car, ladies, when you're driving to the library or to co-op or wherever you, you live in your car, you know you do. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> might as well be educating while you're in there. Oh, yes. um, I, I was on your website earlier and I found the countdown books, um, which are so appropriate for right now because you have one that starts two weeks before Thanksgiving and it's a countdown to Thanksgiving. Could you tell us a little bit about those books? Yes, absolutely. So I wanted to give families something kind of fun to do building up to the holiday. So they each have a story and then some activity to do for that day. So sometimes it's a song. Sometimes it's a recipe because I like recipes. Yeah. And then sometimes it's just a craft or an activity just to get, you know, getting ready for the season of Thanksgiving and then the season of Christmas and um so that one's actually one of my favorite because Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. And there's oh, really good. great stories in there about, um, especially one lady, her name is Sarah Hale. And she's actually the person that gave us Thanksgiving because it was just a local holiday that was celebrated in the New England area. And okay. she's like, the whole world needs to have this. And she was able to work for many, many years campaigning that Thanksgiving should be a national holiday. And she was an amazing Christian lady. And so there's a story of her in there that just is really inspiring. Wow. Yeah, I loved I loved reading the overview of Thanksgiving because that's the often just like overlooked. Like we have Advent for Christmas and the mm -hmm. Christmas one looked great, too, by the way. And I'm a lover of Christmas and mm -hmm. all things Christmas. And um, and then you also have one for Easter and one for summer, which I thought mm -hmm. looked really good. But the Thanksgiving one, because I, I'm looking for ways to make Thanksgiving more more like like something that the kids look forward to because we I have grandchildren now little little one little tiny ones but but my oldest is going to be four in November my oldest granddaughter and oh, and I just think about like boy just doing little things with her she loves to cook with with her grandma and she loves to oh, just do different activities and games and listen to stories and she loves all of that and I just thought man that would be a great thing to get because the two weeks before Thanksgiving we could like connect and just, I could read a story to her or, you know, and it's just a good way to kind of build that up a little bit and get them excited for Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Cause that's one of the most overlooked holidays, but it, it really is. is one of the most important holidays of all the year because, you know, all the other ones are about kind of giving and yeah. getting and stuff. And that one's just about a really simple 
giving thanks, just being thankful for what we have. And even if it's not a lot, there's always something we can think of to be thankful for. And the pilgrims were such a good example of that. And, you know, when they came through that first winter and stuff, and they're like, let's just give thanks to God. And they invited people over to share in that and very inspiring story. So yes, I agree. Thanksgiving is one of those overlooked, but super important holidays. And it's uniquely American. Absolutely. Yes. Which which is great, which is great. But I have to say, because we've lived overseas and um, it has become like we lived in Guatemala and Guatemalans now celebrate Thanksgiving. They have turkey. They, I mean, we, we started kind of doing it with our neighbors and now it's like a a thing where like the, the restaurants will have Thanksgiving meals and people can go in and a lot of people take that day off of work and they do like (laughs) a big, I know it's just, I was just like, it was a very big blessing. Um, we were there for 10 years and the first couple of years we felt like we were by ourselves, but little by little people just kind of caught on and they thought, you know, this is a great idea. Why don't we give thanks one day of the year like this? And so they do it now a lot, not, not all over the country, but in, in areas where they have access to things like turkey and mashed potatoes and they, they make a lot of the same foods that we make and it's it's just real interesting to me I love that that's so cool yeah. yes we've exported something really amazing Woo-hoo. that's the best holiday to share right I know I think so um and then one more thing I just want you to talk a little bit about your website um and just share a little bit about that I will have a link with it in the description of this podcast so people can get to it quickly and easily if they would like to but I'd like you to talk about it a little bit yes absolutely so it's goldenprairiepress.com since mm-hmm. I live on the golden prairies of Wyoming that's where the name came from yeah um, and then I did want to give your listeners a discount if they do order so a 10% discount that's- if they use the name Mache. that's the- so great Amy thank you so much yes absolutely I'm so excited to to get Go to get talk to you guys stuff. and yes exactly <laughs> so so that is available as well and yeah you can get on there and look around and I do have a free ebook about Abraham Lincoln on there too if you want to grab that so I saw that that looked really good I love Abraham Lincoln yeah I know he's, he's one of those inspiring ones too isn't he he is he really really is yeah well, Amy, um, I'm just so grateful that you took time out of your busy homeschooling, wonderful, your two boys day to take time yes. to talk with us. Yes, and I'm so excited to. I'm you. just really, and you had just such great things. And I just want to encourage everybody for real, go and look at Amy's stuff. You will be blessed. Um, I wish that when I was homeschooling my children, that we would have had this curriculum in elementary school, because I did a lot of pulling my own stuff together. And um, you know, when you're a busy mom and you don't have a lot of time, you, you wind up just kind of doing what you can, but it would have been so nice to have it all in one place. <laughs> and I'm just so grateful that you do that, Amy. Thank you so much for taking the time to write a curriculum that is specifically geared towards those elementary years when hands-on is really important, yes. but moms need that extra little bit of like, here it all is for you. Exactly. Because it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Like you said, I'm starting to homeschool my kids. And I wrote this curriculum before I had kids. And so now it's like, oh, this is great because it's all right here. I already did all the work. (laughs) I love that. We can just benefit from your work as well. So thank you so much. Amy, you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for the discount. Again, guys, um, for our Minnesota families, if you just uh, type in 
is it just they just need to type in mache and they get the 10% discount? Correct. Yes. Okay. So when you when it says uh, when you order, go to order, if you just type in mache, you will get a 10% discount on anything you order from Amy at goldenprairiepress.com. Thank you. Have a blessed day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.